This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. Who the hell is Tom Emmer? E-M-M-E-R. What happened to Byron Donalds? What happened to Jim Jordan? Tom Emmer? Republicans have picked Tom Emmer uh, to be the speaker, although they haven't. It's not official yet. They got a vote on it, and uh, this guy, Tom Emmer, could be the speaker nominee for about uh, three minutes, and then he'll get uh, overturned like all the others. Uh, he won't get enough votes, potentially. I don't like this Tom Emmer. I've heard about him. I, uh, I'm not liking him, all right? He seems very swampy to me. He doesn't seem at all MAGA. He also seems uh, very George Sorosy, perhaps. And uh, I don't know. i got to learn a little bit more. Let's do it together. He's 62 years old. Mm, he's been in Congress since 2015. Um, before that, he was in the Minnesota State House. Uh, was he? Wait a second. Wait, what the hell's going on here? Uh, he was in the Minnesota, he was Minnesota State House, and he's also been the congressman from the 6th District. Did he have two jobs? <laughs> According to this thing, he has two jobs. That can't be right. Anyway, well, he's a lawyer. I don't know. Tom Emmer, I want Byron Donalds. I want Jim Jordan. I want a MAGA guy. I want somebody who's going to back up President Trump and stick it to Joe Biden, and that's exactly what he deserves. Is Tom Emmer going to turn over the January 6th tapes? I doubt it. Remember the January 6th tapes? Uh, we got a glimpse of them. We got a peek of them. And then the whole world lost its mind. I mean, What could be wrong with looking at all that footage? What could be wrong with seeing the footage and seeing how they escorted the Horns guy all over the Capitol, how they helped him? Now, it's one of the good things that McCarthy did, although it was okay. He only gave it to Tucker Carlson, and I love Tucker, and he does some great work. But a lot of us wanted to see it. Anyway, I relied. I went through uh, what what Tucker put on the air, and it was fascinating stuff. I'm very proud of this, oh, by the way. I put more of that footage on air than anyone else outside of Tucker on Fox News, seven times as much. I I On this show, other platforms, I was talking about going through, analyzing, studying there are people out there who are afraid of this issue. You can't, you can't, no, 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 no. January 6th is the worst thing since Pearl Harbor, since the worst thing since the War of 1812. Anybody ever tells me that, I say, hey, do me a favor. Tell me two things about the War of 1812. Uh, yeah, I figured, all right? It's a Democrat fake talking point. Um, all right, so let's go to Israel now. Don't give these terrorists any points for releasing hostages. We want them all released, all right? But they're playing a psychological head game. You know, these are the people. Look at that old lady, elderly lady, I should say. I don't like saying old lady. She's, you know, 80 plus, whatever. And she was released. But that's that's good. But think about the barbarians who took her hostage and held her there for three weeks to begin with. How can you keep a lady like this? How can you keep a three-year-old child in a tunnel? They're keeping them basically in a dungeon. And they're getting all kinds of credit now. Ooh, they really, what a humanitarian gesture. 
humanitarian gesture would have been not targeting civilians at the get-go, not showing up at that concert and performing a mass shooting, a coordinated mass shooting. Terrorism, absolute terrorism, and so many weirdos in America are defending it, looking the other way, and some others are just outright showing their true selves, their anti-Semitic, horrible nature. This is good versus evil. Israel is good. Hamas is bad. And tragically, unfortunately, I don't know what cancer is over there, but Hamas has a lot of support in the Arab world. A lot of it. All right? So, you know, it's you can't necessarily, oh, it's Hamas and everybody else. Well, I don't want any non-combatants to be killed. I don't want that to happen. I don't want them to be hurt. I want everybody to live to be a 100. That's not going to happen. People, innocent people on both sides are going to be hurt and killed. It's one of the reasons why you want to avoid war. But when it happens, it happens. It will happen. Just get ready for that. And every time it does happen, I'm not, I'm not going to lose my faith. I'm not going to lose my commitment. And it's easy for me to commit. I mean, I'm all, 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 all the way over here. What can I do? What should we do? Pray, root. I'm rooting for them. Um, and publicly taking a side. You'd be surprised how people want to keep their head down right now, right? Or play a sick little game like, uh, well, the, like the Biden administration is doing. Right now, the Biden uh, team, they're lecturing Israel, telling them to not invade, telling them that their military goals are not legitimate, uh, that they have to rethink this whole thing, that they have to cease fire, that they have to stand down, all this crazy stuff. They have no business. Who are the who are the uh, Biden people to tell anybody how to do anything when it comes to a lot of things, especially the military, especially fighting adversaries? Now, the whole Biden team was there under Obama. And what happened under Obama? Ever hear of a little thing called ISIS, right? The Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, which blew up, took over basically... 60% or so of the Middle East, of the Middle East, was in terrorist hands. And that happened under Obama. And at first, oh, boy, we're going to destroy we're going to destroy ISIS. That was their policy. And then they realized, oh, shoot, this is hard, and this is controversial. We are going to, um, hurt, we are going to hurt their ability to project power. Okay, we'll do that. All right, no. We are going to contain... And then finally, we we are going to condemn, and then we are just going to disagree with ISIS. It was just a word game, and we never had the guts to really take them on. Now, Trump comes. You remember ISIS, right? I mean, they make al-Qaeda look like kind of like amateurs in comparison, right? These guys, you ever see it when they threw the people into the cages and put the cage in a pool, and they watched them all drown? This is the kind of stuff, and the beheadings, just nauseating and infuriating. They were doing this all over the place. And Trump said, he said it on June 16, 2015, when I get in, ISIS will be gone. We will get ISIS. And it's it's such a clear-cut thing that he promised and he did. He actually fulfilled the promise. And nobody ever, ever, ever gives him credit. When's the last time you heard about ISIS, right? You didn't hear about ISIS. Starting about late 2017, ISIS was gone, defeated. They relaxed the rules of engagement. They actually did. They had a strategy. They had that guy, Raisin Kane. That was the general. That was the key general over there. Said, this is how we should do it. And they did it anyway. 
So the guys who lost to ISIS, the guys who lost in Afghanistan, the guys who could not stare down Putin and Putin takes over Ukraine now think they have the the skill, the authority to tell Israel what to do. They do not, especially that Barack Hussein Obama weighing in with his long statement written probably by himself. And it's it's basically a both sides. Both sides have to uh, evaluate here. Hey, what would happen if America was attacked? Right. What if we were attacked by, uh, I don't know, I mean, there's Mexico. What if we were attacked by Mexico? What if they killed 2,000 of our people and took 100 hostage? And I want to say not all of Mexico, but it was a terror group, and we knew exactly where they were, right? Would we, how much negotiation do you think would be happening? You know, we would, uh, we would plan for the ultimate uh, in retaliation, and in reprisal and in punishment, and yeah, it's going to be tricky because we want to get the hostages out too. And we wouldn't be looking for really anybody to tell us what the hell to do. The American people would not accept it. The Israeli people are not going to accept it. Um, it would be very clear cut what to do. It's clear cut for you, clear cut for me. But for Joe Biden, because he's got to worry about his left flank, those far left lunatics like AOC, like Rashida Tlaib, You'd be surprised how many people um, in positions of power, actually, are totally intimidated by hysterical people, often women, especially if it happens to be a woman of color. This is not you. This is not me. But this is them because everything is everything is uh, uh, optics. Everything is identity politics. And, you know, you don't know my truth. You'd be surprised how many people will just shut up, clam up, and do whatever they want to make them happy. Well, it's the American people you got to make happy. And our dear friends, the Israelis, must be assisted in every possible way. And not lectured, not frowned upon. And if I'm about to invade a territory, I would probably turn off the lights, too. I would probably turn off the water as well. And if it, if it affects the innocence, this is on Hamas. This is on those guys. And to a lesser extent, the adults, the adult, uh, what do we call it, the citizenry of Gaza, who didn't throw these people out, who, you know, in poll after polls, they have, they are the, they are the popular people. They are the popular in control party. I, I can't believe we have lost all moral authority here in America to, to say and do much of anything. So let's hope, uh, let's hope this gets, what do we hope for? I hope there's retaliation and somehow we save the hostages. Awesome and total retaliation. And we have to eliminate Hamas. We have to eliminate the terrorists. There's no, you know, I keep hearing this fake thing also from Joe Biden and from others in the administration and then the uh, normal idiots on TV saying, Israel must not do what America did. What America did, we reacted emotionally after 9-11. Please don't do that. Don't do, don't make the mistake that we did. We made a terrible mistake and went into Afghanistan and Iraq and we were so full of anger and, you know, we made misjudgments because of our anger. That's, that's not at all true, actually. Um, Iraq happened two years after, two years after, uh, 9-11. And there was a lot of cold calculation planning that went into that. Not sufficient. It was wrong. You know, they say, what do they say? Uh, revenge is a dish best served cold. And what does that mean? You know, when somebody offends you, somebody bothers you, somebody um, stabs you in the back or undermines you in any way, your initial reaction is to 
well, fight back immediately, right? And just to unload and do everything, right? If you really want to get revenge, you do it at a time and place of your choosing. When you have settled down, when you're not emotional, right? When you're just calm and cool and collected and you know, well, actually, that's what America did. We made a horrible decision to go into Iraq, but it wasn't emotional. It was strategic and they wanted to do it way before 9-11. You can look it up. A guy named Paul O'Neill. Nobody remembers this but me. He was a Treasury Secretary under George W. Bush. He was an aluminum executive. He came from a company called Alcoa. And at the very first cabinet meeting in late January, early February of uh, 2001, the issue of invading Iraq is presented. This is before 9-11. This was a thing for George W. Bush. I don't know if it was some weirdo uh, rivalry thing he had going on with his dad who didn't go into Iraq and, you know, the wimp factor and George W. Bush was going to show he's not a wimp and he's going to invade Iraq and finish the job. Uh, who knows? But they were talking. And the other thing is we did not go into Afghanistan fast enough, you know, emotionally with anger. We did not go in there fast enough. We gave al-Qaeda and um, Osama bin Laden and Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and uh, all the rest. A six-week head start. A six-week head start. You can look this up as well. Did we start bombing um, targets in Afghanistan that night? 9-11? We could have, but we didn't. How about the next day? How about the next week? All right, how about the week after that week? How about three weeks later? How about four weeks? No, we waited. <laughs> we had to get everything in line. And I, there's there's a time and a place to, um, you know. But anyway, all this to say, we did not go in emotionally. We had to set up this base in Uzbekistan. We had to set up this thing in uh, Tierra del Fuego. We had to do this and that and this and that. We should have gone in pounding the daylights out of them that night. And all this crap about building a democracy and a nation and a nation building. You know what? Let's just punish the bad guys. Let's just get them fast before they get anybody else. Let's not worry about the future of Afghanistan. I'm sorry. I want everybody to be happy. I wish everybody was a, had a great country like ours, but some some societies are just not equipped for that. And George W. Bush, being the imbecile that he was and is, and the very mm, challenged person intellectually, wanted to intellectualize this whole thing. Right? He really stood for nothing. He was there because why was he there? Why did how did George W. Bush get elected? He said. I'm not going to be like I'm. I'm not going to be like Clinton, who was getting you know what happened in the Oval Office. That was it. There was no. He wanted an agenda that sounded great. He could. They could call it the Bush Doctrine and defending freedom and building democracy all over the world. Anyway, it was a bunch of crap, and um, we're still paying the price, big time. Uh, so that is a fake talking point. What else is going on? I. Uh, Hey, did you hear about that Alaska Airlines pilot who stormed? Well, he didn't storm the cockpit. He was sitting in there. So there was an Alaska Airlines flight from Everett, Washington to San Francisco. And this very normal guy, regular pilot for Alaska Airlines, um, tries to turn off the plane, <laughs> tries to turn off the plane. They have a special thing. It's called a jump seat. And if you're a pilot, even if you're not flying the plane, you can sit up there with the pilots. I want to go on vacation. I want to go to San Francisco. You can sit there or I got to show up for a flight tomorrow. You can sit there in the front. And he tried to actually shut down the engines. Now, as crazy as that sounds, uh, it happens a lot more than you think. A lot more. And I got a doozy that you have never heard of when I come back. 
Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, I'm seeing anti-Semitism all over the place. I was so naive, so out of it. I had no idea it was this widespread. And here's another example. They ask KJP, they call her, Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary at the White House. Real not smart. However, I think she's uh, obsessed with a couple of things. Uh, Not supporting Israel. Uh, Her own sexuality happens to be gay. Nobody cares, but she brought it up in a million different interviews. And when she's asked point blank, is this, I got to hear this for, the headline is, they ask her about anti-Semitism, and she talks about Islamophobia, which, oh, by the way, is really not a thing. It's not a thing. You know why they make it a thing? Because they can try, oh, well, it's a white supremacy, and you know how they feel about white supremacy. You know what they want to do to white supremacists, right? Elevate them, make them the biggest thing, try to associate white supremacists and MAGA, MAGA, white supremacists, white supremacists, MAGA, right? All that stuff all goes together. Of course not. It doesn't. It's absurd, but... Anyway, let's uh, let's hear this. Oh, and by the way, you know where she's from? Hempstead, Hempstead, Long Island. Go. This level of concern right now about potential rise of anti-Semitism in light of everything that's going on in Israel. So, a couple of things. Um, look, um, uh, we have not seen. Uh, any credible uh, threats. I know there's been always questions about uh, credible threats, uh, and so I uh, just want to make sure that that's out there. But look, uh, Muslim and those perceived uh, to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate uh, number of hate-fueled attacks, and, and certainly President Biden understands that many of our Muslim Arab Arab Americans and Palestinian American loved ones and neighbors are worried about the hate being directed at their community. This is a a disgusting lie. Gee, how in the hell with the are they, you see? You see? It's just like it's just like they, they want to divide this country. They want to chase ghosts, right? They want to play up things that aren't in existence so they can benefit politically. It's <laughs> that was worse than I thought. It was even more obvious. <laughs> Walk out onto Third Avenue. Third Avenue, Friday night. You know what I saw? A great big anti-Semitic rally right here. Come to get, turn on the TV, uh, KJP. Unbelievable. And where is this Islamophobia? Where is it actually happening? They're lying. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, yeah, I mentioned this before. So that guy was arrested. He's charged with 83 counts of attempted murder. A totally normal guy, uh, a pilot for Alaska Airlines. I've flown that before. They go to a lot of other places other than Alaska. I think I took it once to uh, uh, Cabo. Cabo, Cabo San Lucas, right? I, I flew it from uh, Phoenix to, Ca- to Cabo, I think, or maybe it was San Diego. Anyway, uh, Cabo stinks, by the way, not my kind of place. Um, so this guy is sitting in the jump seat, and as a pilot, that means he's not flying the plane, but he's actually going to San Francisco. They actually let pilots do that. They got a little, it's almost like a stool in the back of the cockpit. It's a little folding seat that comes out, and the pilot 
who's off duty, can sit there and ride with the guys. So in the middle of the flight, he tries to shut down the engines. He tries to shut down the damned engines. Um, how crazy is that? Anyway, they, they make him, they stop him from doing that. And then they get him out of the cockpit and they bring him to the back of the plane. And everybody said he looked very weird and zoned out and crazy. I think this will turn out to be some sort of drug, uh, fueled psychotic episode. That's what I predict. We'll see what actually happens. I, uh, I'm looking at pictures of this guy. I mean, then again, somebody once told me, um, everybody's normal until you really, really know them, <laughs> right? <laughs> Everyone's normal because you don't know them. There are variations of that. So maybe this guy was, you know, maybe he's a lunatic. I don't know, but, um, it does make me think. And the plane, uh, was fine. They did land in Portland, Oregon as a, uh, emergency procedure. It took off in Washington State on its way to San Francisco. They, uh, stop the plane in, in Oregon. Everybody's fine. Um, but this guy is uh, in big trouble now. So it makes me think of a couple of things. You probably have never heard about this, but it's one crazy wild story. And I know, <laughs> well, I know people who know the people who are on the plane. Uh, Federal Express flight 705. Listen to this on April 7th, 1994. Federal Express Flight 705, a McDonnell Douglas DC-10 cargo jet carrying electronics equipment across the United States from Memphis, Tennessee to San Jose, California, was the subject of a hijack attempt by Auburn Calloway, a Federal Express employee facing possible dismissal at a hearing scheduled for the following day for having lied about his flight hours. He boarded the scheduled flight as a deadhead passenger. That's what they call it, deadhead passengers, like this other guy, um, you know, in the in the jump seat. He was carrying a guitar case concealing several hammers and a spear gun. He tried to switch off the aircraft's cockpit voice recorder before takeoff. Once airborne, he attempted to kill the crew with hammers so their injuries would appear consistent with an accident rather than a hijacking. The CVR, however, was switched back on by the flight engineer, believing that he had neglected to turn it on. Callaway intended to use the spear gun as a last resort. He planned to crash the aircraft, hoping that he would appear to be an employee killed in an accident. He sought to let his family collect on a $2.5 million life insurance policy provided by Federal Express. Callaway's efforts to kill the crew were unsuccessful. Despite severe injuries, the crew fought back, subdued Callaway, and landed the aircraft safely. During his trial, the prosecution argued Callaway was trying to commit suicide. Callaway's legal representation attempted to invoke an insanity defense, but he was found guilty of multiple charges, including attempted murder, attempted air piracy, and interference with flight crew operations. He received two consecutive life sentences and no chance of parole. Callaway successfully appealed the conviction for in- interference, which was ruled to a to be a lesser offense of attempted air piracy. The life sentence was upheld. Is that crazy or what? And this guy was a, I mean, from appearances, he was a normal guy. He got his flight training in the military, in the Navy. He was a naval aviator. I mean, you got to be, you know, halfway decent to do that. It's incredible. Anyway, this guy, I looked it up. He's still in jail. And uh, these guys, uh, some of them were not able to fly again because of uh, the injuries inflicted. 
I've actually seen or heard uh, portions of the cockpit voice recorder that, that that guy tried to turn off. Um, that's it's pretty tough to listen to. And they're yelling and screaming. And one guy says, kill that guy, kill that guy, which is, you know, what you would what you would do in such a circumstance. All right. We're on the verge of uh, what looks like World War Three. Democrats are trying to tell us everything is fine. And Joe Biden is skillfully leading America. Hillary Clinton was at a uh, public forum. Uh, addicted to attention, isn't she? And some guy had a few things to say about the state of the world. Right to her. Listen to this. Cut 20. Struck by the hypocrisy of this. Two more people I, I to hear from. I'm sorry. You, you have a the, chance. Well, the, I'm not sorry. The, the hip, sit down. I, I know you're not sorry. That's people, the point. The hypocrisy of this talk. speech. The hypocrisy of the fact that what, what do you have? Can you please? Can you, can you please make a statement about President Joe Biden's speech? This is a clearly warmongering speech. President Joe Biden is calling for $100 billion of funding for Israel, Taiwan, and Ukraine, and we're supposed to just bundle these together and pretend like we're going to rush to World War III, and we're all just going to let Hillary Rodham Clinton sit here. And, okay. I'm yes. sorry. You know, yes. this is not, what, what, this is not no, the way no, to no, have no, a conversation. That, I'm sorry. If you want to have a conversation, you're no, welcome to come you, talk to you me can, afterwards. You can sit here. Okay, right. You're yeah, gonna, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna wait for me, right? I, please, I, I don't, I do not believe you. I will you. listen to you and I, do, I will respond. I do to not you. believe you. But Respectfully, right. I do not believe you. Well, and the fact just, of the matter is that the just, American people's voice are what need to be heard. Yeah, because, they are being because heard. our president is not speaking for the American people and well, neither are that's you. That's your opinion. That's your opinion. Yes, that's my but, opinion. But, well, then sit down. We've heard your opinion. Thank you very much. Now we're gonna, I'm not gonna sit down. I'm not gonna stop it. I'm not gonna stop working. I'm gonna wait here. Rights. I'm going to exercise my free speech but until it's not, until it's I'm not free speech when you this, are disrupting yes, everybody else's opportunity. It is free speech. This is free speech, everyone. This is free speech. That is not free speech. This is people constructing narratives that are openly hypocritical. I'm sorry. You, the the incredible hypocrisy. You, you know, tell me, John Foster Dulles went with Eleanor Roosevelt to bring this Declaration of Rights of Man. John Foster Dulles was involved with the CIA. Oh, yeah, well, you're brilliant in your oh, historical yes. uh, yes, thank uh, you. And the Pinochet, the Pinochet regime. Oh, please, listen. could you please inform me about the United States okay, involved in these historical to, things? We're going to move on Ms. Clinton, will you denounce Joe Biden's Will you denounce Joe Biden's speech? Will you yelling about it. So, Frank, I want to turn to you because... You are from Uganda, and I just love a little bit of chaos. Some of us are on Team America, despite our flaws and our yes, problems. Yes, yes, that, that's me. Right, please and sit down. You're going to have to do something. You can't, you can't take over the event. You have to stop right now. You have to stop. Or what? Wait. I'm going to exercise my breath Every person on this stage has risked their life, their income, their reputation, their careers. And what have you done other than throw it I need you to, I need you to, excuse me, sir. Sir, you have to, you have to, you have to listen to me. Ah. 
any You're day of the year. I'll okay. respond. What I have done is I have asked Hillary Rodham Clinton to denounce the president's openly warmongering, suicidal, idiotic speech. And that's I can what I've asked. Answer. I will that's what I've done. So that's the end of I, our conversation. Okay, but sir. I'll still meet you outside. Your but you're done. Right now. Uh, who was that other voice? All right. A couple of things there. Um. Yeah, you know what? I like the guy's style a little bit, a little bit. I also, believe it or not, liked Hillary in that exchange. You know, I mean, she didn't freeze up the way a lot of politicians would. You know, she gave as good as she got. Now, one thing I definitely disagree with this guy. Look, I'm all for Israel getting all this aid. I have major reservations about Ukraine and the other things, so I think he's partially right. I will say this also. Hillary, I've seen this before. She gets heckled and she says something like you know i will see you after the event she actually makes good on that she actually will go and see the person after the event and you know nods her head i don't think anything look the guy's making a pretty big ask you know will you denounce joe biden's speech i mean i i i I hear i even Brit hume of fox news said it was a brilliant speech he would he totally overdid it he was crazy brit i don't know what's up with him but um you know the guy is totally out i mean you know, they were actually kind of like reasonable. You know, all right, you said it. Now sit down. It wasn't like they called the cops. It wasn't like they punched the guy. So, um, what do we think? Now, who was that self righteous woman at the end who said, Everybody up here gave their, uh, sacrificed, uh, everything for this? Yeah, who was that? It sounded like somebody I know, and I don't want to say the name unless I can actually confirm it. And I, it sounded like, no, it's not the one I thought it was. So, uh, I don't know who that is, but it's a little bit much, right? Everybody, who is she? Who, I, I, don't, I don't put Hillary Clinton in the category of people who, you know, sacrificed all that much for the country. I don't. Career politicians, you know, she's multi, 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 multi millionaire. Hey, you want to hear something that career politicians don't say that they don't bring up? Jesus. All right. Some do, but they do it cynically. You know, when you hear it from a guy like Donald Trump, it's like, whoa. Now that's rea- that's a dose of reality. Now listen to this. This happened, I think, yesterday in New Hampshire, or maybe, yeah, yesterday in New Hampshire. Uh, Donald Trump is arriving or leaving, and they ask him about the speaker's race. Okay, uh, let's go with cut twenty-two. Your voters will, and they are concerned when they look at what they see on the, in, on, in the House, in the Hill, in the chaos. Yeah. What is your message? To well, I think it's going to get solved, and when it does, it'll be a beautiful thing, and. Uh... It'll teach a lot of people about democracy. You know, that happened once before. It's very tough with the four votes, you know, with the four-vote spread. But uh, something's going to happen. It'll be positive. It'll end up working well. Uh, I'm staying above it. I have to right now. But I've uh, spoken to just about all the candidates. There are quite a few of them. And they're terrific people. You know, that four threshold is very tough. It's a very tough thing, no matter who it is. I said, there's only one person that can do it all the way. You know who that is? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus came down and said, I want to be speaker. He would do it. Other than that, I haven't seen I haven't seen anybody that can guarantee it. But at some point, I think we're going to uh, have somebody pretty soon. Uh, I think he was being a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I liked it. I liked it. And uh, I like him. You know, he's taking on that Michael Cohen, that big dummy. Uh, he is uh, down there, and he's lying like crazy. There are a couple of fundamental things that people don't understand about Michael Cohen that are continually repeated by the fake news all the time. Uh, one of them is that he pleaded guilty to uh, all kinds of charges related to the Trump campaign. 
and he's in trouble. He actually pleaded guilty for that whole Stormy Daniels thing. He did not. He did not. You can actually look up, you can look at, he was guilty of all kinds of tax crimes regarding a taxi cab business that he was running. Is, has nothing to do with, uh, the checks that he received for money he spent. It's amazing how that is so misreported and misunderstood and people who could know better don't want to know better. Uh, the other thing is, you know, they try to say that he was one of Trump's closest advisors. I, I must admit, I was a little bit surprised that Michael Cohen was hanging around Trump until I found out that he was just a part-time employee, barely, barely. Cause, you know, Trump is a first-class guy in many, many ways. And there's this guy named Mark Kazowitz who does a lot of legal work for him. And Mark Kazowitz is a political heavyweight. And so Michael Cohen, I looked it up and I found how much, and you can look this up too, it's in the public records, how much was he getting from uh, Trump? $75,000 a year. $75,000 a year. So that means, you know, you can run up a legal bill very, very quick. Okay, very fast, very expensive. It, this means that he was writing the occasional letter, that he was doing odd jobs, odd jobs, nothing to do with the business, nothing, nothing of significance. So every time they say that this is some sort of special Trump insider, uh, he's not. Mike and Wayne, hello. Greg, how are you? Quick question for you, then a comment. Um, is it true, and I love Trump, don't get me wrong, I'm voting for him again, but my sister tells me that he released like 300 prisoners from a jail, uh, known terrorists and stuff, to bargain for something during that, for something with Afghanistan? I've never heard anything about that. I think your sister's wrong. Okay, and one more quick thing. I spoke to you a couple weeks ago in regards to Mace, and you said it's illegal. First of all, it's legal. Second of hey, all, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you look up the jurisdiction? All right. Is it legal? In, it varies from community to community. And I th- My point is. No, 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 no. You, you know, you call up with comments. That's fine. But did you check? What, what jurisdiction did you check? Your own, probably, right? Well, yeah, New Jersey. Yeah, I know. All right. So I was talking okay. about the subway. I was talking about something different. All right. I was okay. talking about the subway, and I don't believe I, I, that, that that's been changed. All right. I, Thanks, Mike. I, I appreciate I, it. I, I, no, that's not been changed. And uh, please. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, Nasty Russ is on the phone. Hello. Maybe we'll call you Rude Russ, the guy from White Plains. Uh, hello. Just don't call me RuPaul, okay? Jesus, Greg, you know, you seem normal too at first, you know? Greg, can I ask you a question? What kind of way is that to start things? I seem normal too at first. I'm not claiming to be the most, uh, you know, typical guy out there. How is it to start a call with your rude Russ? Well, rude, like? you want to go back and you know, every time you call, it's with a lot of attitude and you always hang up. I'm go, I'm still steamed about the last thing uh, you were saying. You were saying some awful things and, uh, it hurt me, and my shoes fell off, actually, in a, as a result. So, Russ, I mean, I just, you know, all right. So do you want to ask something nice for once? Because I really don't need it. Yes, I do. I admire your career flying jet, jump jets, and I want to ask you, Greg, would you fly to jump jet against Hamas, or would you tell a young Greg Kelly to go get trained to, to fly jump jets over there in Israel? Well, that is a reasonable, decent question, and I have been asked that before. And, um, look, uh, 
Yeah, I'd love to take on the terrorists, but that's not my job anymore, right? From 1991 to 2000, I was an active duty pilot, and I was raring and ready to go. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, there were no big wars in that time frame. Uh, it depends upon how you look at it. And uh, so I, uh, I'm i going to take a great big pause, though. I'm not sure if I would urge anybody that I know, a loved one, to join the military. That's a very personal decision you got to factor in a lot of things including how woke and weird everything is all right russ thank you for the question we are starting fresh you and me uh from this day forward i'll be right back traffic jams tailgating pile-ups oh the joys of driving how could it get worse the federal government wants to have a say in what you drive that's right The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, did you see there was a big story in the paper, and I don't like the paper. I don't like the New York Times, but it was actually pretty good. It was talking about the very much botched case in getting that Gilgo serial uh, killer guy, Rex Hoyerman, catching him. Uh, now, there are two phases to this. The uh, current administration in Suffolk County did a fantastic job, did, a, did the right thing, uh, and they did it well and skillfully. They came in, the new administration, the new DA, guy named Tierney, and then the new, um, what do you call it? Hey, is the music still on? I hear it. Yeah. Um, the new DA and the new police commissioner came in and said, you know what? We're going to solve this case. And within about uh, six weeks, they found the name Hoyerman driving that Chevy Avalanche and uh, that a guy of his description was seen uh, with one of the last victims of this guy. So, all right. They were off. They, they they basically solved the case in a matter of weeks. The thing is, that information was around for a decade, and the crazy cops over there. Some of them, I'm sorry, like Burke, who ran the department. I mean, man, that guy is crazy. That guy's totally crazy, and he chased the FBI away, and you know he was doing all kinds of other things. Like apparently, he didn't want to get caught. So when you have a department that is not professionally run and there are great cops out there okay but they did not have the benefit of great management just look at this guy he had to go to jail he went to federal prison for trying to cover up crimes and he did all kinds of other stuff they had in their possession the suffolk county police department and going all the way back to 2011 or 12 i can't remember which it's either 11 or it's 12 one of those years they knew the following, or they had the information in their possession. Sometimes you get information, you don't realize what you have because nobody's keeping track of it. Personally, I could have kept track of this. I would have gotten a very big um, bulletin board, all right? I would have gotten a great big bulletin board, and I could have figured this out with maybe some help, but I could have figured this out. Like, So a couple of things. They had a description of the alleged killer. That he was six foot five, wore glasses, and had bushy hair, and he was built like an ogre. He was observed by the friends of this woman who was killed, and they think, uh, and also the pimp, the woman killed was a prostitute, and the pimp got a load of the guy. Not only did they know he was six foot five with bushy hair, they also knew that he drove a Chevrolet Avalanche. Chevrolet Avalanche is still a pretty unique type of car. It's not a, 
It's not quite a car. It's not quite a pickup. It's a little bit in between, and it's got that little triangle thing in the back. They also knew, thanks to the FBI, that the calls that this creep was making to line up the prostitutes and also to badger the families of the victims that he killed were coming from two places, Massapequa Park and Midtown Manhattan. How many people, how many people did they have to look at who were six foot five, commuted into the city from Massapequa Park with the Chevy Avalanche? The computer did not have the information. They should have walked the beat themselves with their own eyeballs and their own two feet. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, I want to talk to Rudy Giuliani. Uh, every time I look at my social media, Rudy is trending. Okay, he's the most important, one of the most important talked about men in America. Uh, Trump, of course, is uh, probably uh, one or two higher on the list. Uh, Elon Musk and then uh, then Rudy Giuliani just about every single day. He's trending on Twitter. He's trending on X. He's big on Facebook. He's all over the place. And uh, he's also what frustrates uh, the, the fake news and uh, the establishment. He's he's right. He's on solid ground. It's these people who are implicating themselves uh, and really disgracing themselves, going after a lawyer for aggressively uh, advocating uh, for a client. You know, you're allowed to do that in America. Even if you don't agree with the client, even if you don't like the cause, you're 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 allowed to have a lawyer, and some people need to be reminded of that. And they're trying to make the system such that people in well, in my world, MAGA world, right, um, that we're having, they want us to have trouble getting legal representation. They want us, they want it, you know. And I will tell you this: uh, I think I can say this. I've been dropped by two lawyers. Two lawyers in my lifetime, all right? And uh, I've got some great lawyers. You guys know who you are, all right? But I'm talking about two other individuals who uh, eh, weren't that great to begin with. And uh, as soon as things got a little bit hot, <laughs> they got the hell out of there. Thanks for nothing. I want a wartime consigliere, and I got—I uh, know some of those are great people out there. Um, but they have to have guts because everyone seems to be afraid of the mob and what they'll say and what they'll do and oh my gosh there's going to be a protest oh someone's going to say something nasty about uh, us on twitter oh my law firm you know we uh, thank you for your thank you uh, we appreciate your business goodbye <laughs> we don't want any trouble around here um which reminds me when you do that i think we should make it such that um well the firm that gets rid of people i'm not talking about me anymore but the firm that gives into the mob you know, just reflexively, you know, just don't get fire the person, fire the person, cancel the person. And I'm talking about that lady Pinnix. Is that her name? Bree Pinnix, P-I-N-N-I-X. What was the name of that firm downtown that she worked for? Some sort of uh, weird drug middleman company and uh, something, something RX. Capital RX was a capital RX. I think it was capital RX. Let me just double check. And what happened was she said something on the train. Late at night, she was drunk. You know what? You're allowed to be drunk on the train. <laughs> we said drunk. Be- I mean, you know, we don't want people driving, right? We want them taking public transportation. You're allowed to be a little bit uh, tipsy on the train. And people say stupid things when they're when they're drunk, right? It happens. No big deal. Since when did we become so bloody uptight about everything? So this woman, Pinnix, is... A couple of guys from Germany, they're tourists, they're here from Germany, 
She believes they're making fun of her and saying horrible, mean, sexist, misogynistic things. Now, don't we want women kind of sticking up for themselves, right? I mean, I think that's kind of a cool thing, right? I mean, we want that. You go, girl, right? And men are supposed to defend women, too. Yeah, that's old-fashioned now, but whatever. These guys were hassling her. And she said, you know what? Screw you guys. And there was a little bit of profanity. And she said at one point to three men who happened to be white and who I believe were uh, harassing her, go back to your country. Go back. Now, could you say that's xenophobic? Could you say that's racist? Well, you can say it's racist. Could you say it's even xenophobic? I don't think, I don't think this is anything about uh, Germany. She didn't say, she didn't, I, I don't think, she, did she say go back to Germany? It doesn't matter. You're allowed to say get lost. If you're a visitor here and you're giving me a hard time, I, I might say, don't we say get lost? Don't we say go to hell? You can't say, you can say go to internal damnation, but you can't say go back to your country. Especially when you live in another country, when you're from another country, when you're not even here in a green card status or whatever. Tourists. It's kind of like a human reaction. So yeah, it, I'm right. It was capital RX. And I did a whole little deep dive on capital RX. And that's the weirdest thing you ever heard of. A, a, a basically a totally unnecessary middleman between the drug company and the drug store. And then these guys get involved and hack up, uh, hike up the costs and they take their share. It's very strange. Capital RX. And they, I found testimony. They, they were testifying in front of the Senate because they want their business to grow and improve and they want to make more money. And, uh, but it was kind of interesting. Republicans and Democrats had a big problem with these guys. <laughs> they were like, uh, we don't even know what you do. And we don't like what you're doing. <laughs> it was kind of, Capital RX is a pharmacy benefit manager. Yeah, that's what they are. PBM. Pharmacy benefit manager. And I've talked to some pharmacists. Pharmacists don't like these guys. I don't think the, the, the manufacturers like these guys. I know two. I know one Republican, Marshall Blackburn, who didn't like these guys. I know Senator Wyden didn't like these guys, a liberal from, from, uh, Oregon. So I think we got a problem with PBMs and Capital RX. Not so much Bree Brianna Pinnix, who you know what is allowed to go out and drink if she wants to. I prefer you know you don't do that. Probably stay home with a book would be better. But you know what, people to each his own. And we become so crazy uptight. And then the post is out there in front of her house taking pictures of her as she comes and goes, as if she was involved in a hit and run or something. Really, really, this is the way they keep people in line. And they being the establishment being, I don't know, the, the, the mob, the woke, the deep state, whatever. You can't be a woman and stick up for yourself. This is, this is really insane. It's not going away. The Karen culture, you know, the Karen cancel culture. Talk to that poor lady who, uh, was unfortunate enough to say, you know what? You're taking my bike. This is my bike, not yours. And guess what? The guy who thought it was his bike or said it was his bike. Happen to be black and she happened to be white or Hispanic or light skinned. Who knows? This is how we adjudicate things, though. Who's white? Who's black? And, uh, you know, it was bad when it was done on the other side. Emmett Till and things like that. It was bad. And now it's, it, it doesn't make it any better now. Not in the slightest. All right. John Kerry, uh, hypocrite of the century, last century and this century. The, the biggest scam with this guy was coming back and talking about, uh, 
the war crimes he did not see in Vietnam. That's how he became a celebrity. That's how everything, just like Joe Biden, everything in his career built on a lie. So here is John Kerry and another guy, uh, Gore, Al Gore, talking about this is 15 years ago, how, how we're not going to have any, any ice left at the polar caps in five years. Go ahead. There is a 75% chance that the entire North Polar Ice Cap during summer, during some of the summer months could be completely ice free within the next five to seven years. You have sea ice, which is melting at a rate that the Arctic Ocean now increasingly is exposed. In five years, scientists predict we will have the first ice free Arctic summer. Well, that didn't happen. That was in 2009. All right. You know, part of why they say these, uh, out, make these outlandish claims is so they can go to summits and have something to talk about. Really, what do you need with some ex-senator, with some ex-vice president? What skill do they bring to the table? No, they want to have, and this green initiative is one of the biggest scams in human history. And the electric cars and nobody thinks about all the cobalt they have to rip out of the ground and what that's doing to the environment and what that's doing to this children's slave labor that have to be used in Congo and places like that to rip the stuff out of the ground, and they're getting paid pennies. It's something, though, and I love this. This is a great moment, a great moment in uh, in world history when John Kerry gets caught in a great big gigantic lie. And he, as John Travolta said, he brung it up. Let's go with that clip, please, the John Kerry clip, the first one. So uh, I just don't agree with your facts, which began with the presentation of one of the most outrageously persistent lies that I hear, which is this private jet. We don't own a private jet. I don't own a private jet. I personally have never owned a private jet. And obviously, it's pretty stupid to talk about coming in a private jet from the State Department up here. Just honestly, if that's where you want to go, go there. All right. So we want to go there. You brung it up. You had to go there yourself, John Kerry. And then I think this is Congressman Walls, W-A-L-Z, right? He's a, he's a brilliant guy and uh like him a lot. I think he, is he from Florida? He's from Florida. And let's hear what he has to say. He has it totally documented about the private jets. Go ahead. Mr. Secretary, uh, in, in exchange with Mr. Mills, you uh, just testified under oath that you never owned a private jet. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'd like to enter into the record uh article here from February 15th of 2023 that the John Kerry family private jet was sold shortly after accusations of climate hypocrisy. Uh, Mr. Secretary, do you stand by that testimony Not that you've never I, owned or I personally, family, I your family? personally, yes, my wife owned a plane and she ah, flew on that plane. Been, uh, not in a number of years, and, but I have flown on it. And sure. This article is not then inaccurate that your family owned a plane. You flew on a plane. There, my wife, Secretary, my wife owned here's a plane. The, here's the issue. <laughs> yeah. This isn't some kind of partisan gotcha. When we are asking Americans to make serious sacrifices as we transition for the common good, and your family and or yourself are flying around on private jets, that smacks of hypocrisy. It actually hurts your cause. Mr. Secretary, but I'll, I'll move on. I but, but, want to know sir, from a record sir, standpoint. Afford me the, the right, at least, to set the record straight here. I do not fly on a private jet. Uh, Recently. I do, I do not fly. <laughs> I fly commercially. 
Have on you flown all of a private jet since you've taken this position? Just, just let me let me finish. I have flown five times in the last two and a half years on Millair, which you also fly on, sure. and or some of you who travel fly on five times. Otherwise, all of my trips are commercial Have airlines. you flown on a private jet in a personal or official capacity since you've taken this position? Possibly once. <laughs> I, I don't. I think. I just don't. I'm, I'm trying to think. Of I, I think you need to take the broader point of yeah. how this appears to the American people no, as we're asking them to take that. that. Let me tell you why. This, I, you, you we're know, not asking you know Americans. We're not asking yeah. Americans not to fly. Goodbye. You know, you're, you're Goodbye. trying to create an unequal thing. We're not no, saying we're don't you fly. To lead by example, Mr. Secretary. That's what we're at. You, which is why I fly commercially. By example, which is why I fly. In that vein, does your office? Uh, or the State Department keep a record of your official travel and scheduled meetings? Of course. Uh, does that include the individuals you're scheduled to meet with? All right. So uh, we, that was the good part right there. I mean, man, the audacity of this guy, the boldness. And talking about the lie, the light. Well, uh, it's like Goodfellas, the Cadillac, remember? It's in my it's in my mother's name. Everything's fine. It's all. It's in my mother's name. Yeah, but didn't we tell you not to get anything big? Right? It's in my mother's name. It's okay. Would you be in a while? That was such a tense scene. De Niro, right, confronting the guy. And then that the poor woman caught in the middle. It's in my mother's name. It's a coupe. It's beautiful. I love that car. Sweetheart, please. <laughs> you can't do that, right? You can't. We're not chumps. John Kerry thinks we're chumps. He thinks that <laughs> he's still stuck. When did he become a senator? He he became a he became a big shot in like 1979, lieutenant governor of uh, of Massachusetts, I think was his first big job, and he's been looking at himself in the mirror for ever since, saying, "I will be president, I will be president." He doesn't realize that people can regular people can fact check you like that, like that. Used to be able to tell those uh, big bold faced lies and get away with it, not anymore. He's trapped like a lot of these these other guys. Back when they first made it big and they don't grow, it's a big problem. Uh, give me a moment, please. Hey, are they invading yet? Stuff's going on over there. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tom Emmer, I don't think you're going to have to uh, remember that name, all right? I think it's going to be gone by... Uh, by dinner time, uh, Tom Emmer is uh, now the Republican nominee. That is it accurate to call him that for Speaker of the House? That doesn't mean he's Speaker. That means they're going to put the name forward and people are going to vote this afternoon. Um, and I just have a hunch. I don't think Tom Emmer is going to make it because I got this beautiful statement from Donald Trump just a moment ago put up on Truth Social. Tom Emmer is going to make it, is going to make it. All right, now I'm going to put that up on Twitter. Listen to what Trump just said about this guy moments ago. Uh, I have many wonderful friends wanting to be Speaker of the House, and some are truly great warriors. Rhino Tom Emmer, who I do not know well, is not one of them. He never respected the power of a Trump endorsement or the breadth and scope of MAGA, Make America Great Again. He fought me all the way and actually spent more time defending Elon Omar than he did me. He is totally out of touch with Republican voters. I believe he has now learned his lesson because he is saying that he is pro-Trump all the way. But who can ever be sure? Has he only changed because that's what it takes to win? 
The Republican Party cannot take that chance because that's not where the America vote first voters are. Voting for a globalist rhino like Tom Emmer would be a tragic mistake. I love this for so many reasons. I just love this. Most politicians, politicians, right, the career, they never stick their head out. They never stick their neck out like this, right? Because what happens if Tom Emmer gets it? What he's using is the power and popularity he has right now for good, for things that he wants, for things that he thinks will be good for the people. Most, like the Barack Obamas of the world, the Mike Pences of the world, all of them, they just stick their thumb up, they wet their thumb and put it up in the air and see which way the wind is blowing. And they never want to look bad. They never want to take any risks. This is, this is risky, quite frankly, for Trump. Because you know, if he, if he, if they make him the speaker, although he, he won't be a speaker now. There's no way he can be speaker. Trump has that kind of power. There's no way certain guys in Congress are going to vote like this. They're not going to betray Trump. Uh, they're not going to, no way. No way. So, uh, Tom Emmer, nice to know you. <laughs> Didn't really know you. Um, uh, no skin off my uh, back here. What do you think there? James Slippin just walked in. Hey, Greg. You ever heard of a guy named Tom Emmer before? Yeah, the, I actually had heard of his name before because he's the majority whip. What the hell does the whip do? I actually don't know. I'll be the first to admit. Well, I'll tell you what the whip does. I Sometimes I pretend I don't know, but I kind of know. You do? Yes. The whip is the uh, the guy who... Uh, uh, um. And you know what? I actually don't know. No, it, no, what they do is they corral the votes. I was going to say, they're like supposed to go out and figure out who will vote on legislation. It's right? really a prestige spot because guess what? The majority leader or the speaker is doing the same thing. All these guys are strategists. They're master strategists, right? Not Well, they're always counting votes in their head. So it's not like they go to the whip. Is it an outdated term, like before you had the telephone and email or something yeah, like I that? Yeah, I think the like guy you, actually had a whip. I, I you think had to like ride your horse around the, to the various reps the or whip something? whip in the house. And uh, let's see here. Who are the whips in the house? What do the whips do? It doesn't really matter. I remember it's a prestige slot. It's mm-hmm. a leadership position, and it's coveted. Now, let's see here. Whip is an official of a political party whose task is to ensure party discipline in the legislature. That means ensuring members of the party vote according to the platform rather than according to their own ideology, right? Whip. Whip them into shape. Anyway, go back to being a whip. You're not going to be a speaker. Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I must say, you know, I I don't think it's um, I'm violating her privacy, but I I'm recording a lot of conversations that I'm having with my daughter and I'm playing them back to myself. And I sound like the dad of the century here. She's asking all kinds of questions. and I'm, I'm answering them. Let's see if you can hear this. Ariel is here. It is like Ariel's hair. But why is it flashing? I think it's flashing because the batteries are low. And sometimes it tells us, you have to change my batteries because my batteries are low. You see it's flashing, right? That's sometimes telling us... That's flashing. Yeah. So listen, do you know what it's like? When our... So I'm having this conversation for with her because uh, she's a little bit sick. She's got a cough and a fever, and she doesn't want to take any medicine. She's spitting up and she's running away. And it's really... So I had to take her away and uh, talk to her about all this. And and now she sees a little. I think it's a little thing. I don't know. We, I don't know what it is, but it's plugged in. And it's beeping. You know what is that red light beeping? I have no idea, but it was beeping. Kind of used to be the VCR. It's some other thing. It's flashing. Say, I need a new battery. When you you know what your body is doing right now? It's flashing. 
It's flashing saying, I need help. I need help. I need medicine. I need medicine. You know when you come with your medicine bag when I don't feel well and you give me medicine and you're saying, it'll make you better. It'll make you better. Well, you don't cover your mouth a lot and you're sick. You're like right now, look, your eyes are all runny and you don't feel that good, right? So we're going to give you uh, a little bit of medicine, okay? And honey, the medicine will make you feel much, much better. Apples are great, but they they help you not get sick. But once you're sick, you need medicine. You understand? You understand? And honey, when you fight mommy and Janet, it makes them, oh, it's going to help them get sick. I remember her talking more. This is all me. I feel like I'm lecturing. I thought it was more of a conversation. Hold on. I got to hear. We got to hear her say one more thing. Now, the other thing is this, honey. If we don't get you better. But I got a sword to make everyone fighting. You have a what? I just have a red store, sword. And so I can fight everyone. Naughty people. Did you catch that? She's got a red sword a red so sword. she can fight people. Okay. Naughty people. Oh, nice. One more. Well, that's for playing, but right now you're still sick. Hey, honey, guess what? When you're sick, sometimes you can give jello and extra cookies, right? You get jello and because our throat is sore and we need special foods, and those foods are very fun and delicious. Well, I think somebody should be nominated for Father of the Year. <laughs> yeah, but she's got the right idea with the apple a day, keeps the doctor away, and then you're talking about cookies and jello at the end of it. Well, look, the apple, it's not working. She's still on the fence. <laughs> she doesn't want to take the medicine. The best part of that clip, having heard you handle callers on the air, you couldn't let her get away with the fact that she said, and you cover your mouth when you cough. You said, well, you don't often cover your mouth when you cough, but that's okay. You just... What she was saying, I cover my mouth like somehow that makes it she's going to be better. Right, right. And like it doesn't it doesn't cut it. And yeah, half the time, most of the time, she doesn't cover her mouth. All right. So uh, news wise, what's the deal? Well, obviously, we know all this talk about, you know, what's going on with the attempt at electing a speaker of the House down in D.C., um, up here in the city, on the east side, not far from here, the U.N. Security Council met today, and there was some contentious back and forth between the Israeli ambassador to the U.N. and the secretary general to the U.N. In fact, Israel has gone so far as to call on the secretary general to resign. I would love that for that to happen. Now, who is the secretary general? Uh, Antonio Gutierrez. Nobody knows that. I mean, they, these guys used to be giants, right? Um, Boutros, Boutros, Galli. Uh, who was another one? Uh, Kofi Annan was right, kind of big yeah. news. Nobody knows who these guys are anymore. It's interesting. They kind of faded away. Uh, look, that environment over there, that whole damn forum is so anti-Semitic and so anti-Israel and so anti-American. It's a great big forum for giving us the shaft. And I don't know why we give them all the money we do. What did John Bolton say? Remember, rip the, rip, rip the roof off, roof off of the UN. It wouldn't matter. I mean, the place is so corrupt and dysfunctional. And, yeah, they always stick it to Israel. And I like this ambassador, um, the ambassador to the U.N. from Israel. He's vocal. He's bold. And didn't he, like, heckle? Uh, didn't he get up and heckle somebody last week? I think he did. I was listening to some of his comments from, you know, today, uh, which were very forceful. And he basically said, you know, when you're talking about terrorism, people who are lighting people on fire and, you know, uh, raping people and stuff like that, you know, how can you uh, negotiate with those people? You know, how can you find a ceasefire agreement with those people, which... Yeah. 
It's hard to disagree. Uh, and you know, you show, I understand. I saw the video too of the, uh, uh, the baby held by the terrorist, the Hamas terrorist, and it's got blood, right? And yes. they're trying to make the whole world like, this is on you guys. This is on you. And they could have protected their children and their women. Instead, they, they invited this conflict by this, that horrible thing they did. And I can't, I, I mean, imagine these people took the, the terrorists to begin with. They took the terrorists, uh, at the very start. And you know, people who would take them, you're not going to give them too much credit for letting them go. So anyway, that's how yeah. I feel about that. Anything else? Uh, there was this big drug bust up in the Bronx. I don't know if you saw this, where this pizzeria was a front for a massive drug operation. And uh, they said they were mixing the drugs right near where the pizza was being made. So again, you know, just a few weeks ago, we had this baby who died from overdose of fentanyl at a, at a daycare up in the Bronx. Mm. So, I mean, this fentanyl, not to be dramatic about it but it's everywhere it seems you know it's nowhere and it should be everywhere and i know there's a lot going on but we have like really dynamite evidence that the biden family is even more corrupt than we thought now buying a house for 2.75 million dollars in cash when you spent your entire life in public service right and you've been bitching and moaning about how poor you are every step of the way and then you get out of power and you think no one's looking, and you think you're not going to have to be scrutinized again, and you spend that kind of money. What was the interest rate, I wonder, in 2017? He bought that Rehoboth Beach house that he still owns, and he goes there all the time. Half of his presidency has been at the beach. He spent $2.75 million and he paid one cash payment. People get mortgages. Rich people get mortgages. There's a thing, you know, I I, I, I understand the impulse. I always thought that be, you know, I, I always had this fantasy of being able to buy a house outright, you know, done, one and done. I actually met a rich person once, and um, I've met a lot of rich people. And this one person I was talking to said, uh, somehow it came out that they bought the house cash. And I'm like, wow, you had you had that much just in your checking account? And they said, well, no, it was it was interest. It was it was like a dividend payment that I that I wrote it. <laughs> that's real money. You yeah, get it? Right. Anyway, some people are like that. Joe Biden's not like that unless he's got all kinds of millions and tens of millions of dollars that he doesn't want anybody to know about. And I think that's the deal. $200,000. He loaned his brother $200,000 allegedly. Who does that? Who does that? A $200,000 check. Right when the brother was getting paid $600,000. Get $600,000 from this one company. And he's he needed a loan from his brother. It doesn't add up. Yeah, thank you. It's really bad, and uh, I would say it's almost smoking gun, and Joe Biden can go in front of the media, never be asked about the laptop, never be asked about his brother, never be asked about Hunter, and just pull off all this stuff. The media are so in the tank, so corrupt, so over, so done, worthless, but they continue to set the agenda, and it drives me a bit crazy. All right, so otherwise, how are things around the, the office? Things around the office, um, let's see. Tomorrow we're doing this Back the Blue celebration, so we're all getting ready for, you know, some aspects of things we're going to do around the station tomorrow to celebrate, you know, the contribution of law enforcement and lift that community up and all that kind of stuff. Otherwise, I don't know. People, I guess, are talking about the Knicks are going to start tomorrow. NBA is getting back into the swing of things. I know that's probably not on your radar. Yeah, no, I can't tell you that it is. I, You know how I'm, me in sports. You know. I didn't know if maybe basketball was I don't know why. Maybe that would be different or something. It's a bit more fast-moving. It's a bit more fun to watch. But then again, you realize, like, the first, like, 
two-thirds of the game don't mean much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're both kind of basically scoring, right? right you know, yeah. back and forth, back and forth. I don't know. It doesn't – it doesn't – anyway. anyway. Uh, all right, so go go Knicks, right? They haven't won in like a million years. Right? 1973, the last time they won a championship. Oh, so. my God. You know, I used to live down the block from Dave DeBusher. Oh, the, yeah? The late, great Dave DeBusher. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And Bill Bradley is still walking around. Yep. And uh, uh, we're losing those players. Well, anyway, all right, James, and uh, maybe I'll wear my police uniform tomorrow. Back to blue. Well – Every year as a kid, I went as a cop. For Halloween? Yeah, I loved it. I had a really authentic-looking uniform, and it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, when is Halloween? It's next week, everybody. Yeah, Tuesday, I think. Tuesday. Let's go big, all right? Uh, one moment, please. Thank you. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So we know Iran, Iran, uh, is facilitating, actually coordinating these attacks on U.S. troops. The troops have been attacked at an airbase in Iraq, also in Syria. Uh, what are we going to do about it? Uh, we got to do something, right? Uh, we got to, we got to beat them back so hard, don't we? What about, well, look, there's a, a lot of conversations and strategic kind of, uh, thought that has to go into it. I get that. Uh, but, we can't be messed with like this, right? I don't like it, and uh, it's time. They're sensing weakness, and they're pushing us and pushing us and pushing us. Yikes. But these guys are not equipped. Look at them. Look at them. Biden, uh, Austin, Anthony Blinken, Jake Sullivan, the same people who brought you the loss in Afghanistan, who brought you the loss to ISIS, right? They, 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 they are literally the gang that can't shoot straight. And we're looking to them to coordinate our our retaliation. Our that they're going to lead us through this crisis. It's it's really scary. We they don't know what they're doing, and they're desperate, and they're afraid, and they're already at overload. They don't know. They don't know how to handle it. Adam, hello. You're in Mineola again. Hey, man. What's up? How you doing today, sir? Good. Okay. Did you read about Jenna Ellis, or you not, or you didn't? Yeah, I know all about Jenna Ellis. What do you make of all this stuff, man? I mean, why? Yeah, yeah, I know these are these are small people who are making decisions, and I get it. They're not; these are working people. Jenna Ellis is not rich, so she pleaded guilty. With her, it's all misdemeanors, and she's pleading guilty to like conspiring to possibly not, conspiring to not prepare it's the weirdest charge in the world and i think jenna ellis deep down is a good person uh i think she was really great on the election i think she may have lost her mind a little bit over the past couple of years and um there's a lot of pressure i don't know how would you hold up under the pressure when you know you're a bus driver right let's say you know this one entity wanted to take your driver's license and then somebody else was trying to make it so you couldn't drive anywhere and then somebody was trying to take your house and then you know what what would i do under that kind of pressure i'd like to think that i would not fold i would not right but you know i have not been in that position i would like to think that i would handle it the right way but not everybody wants to handle it the right way not everybody can handle it the right way so, um, you know, Jenna Ellis, I mean, it's, it's just absurd. Lawyers advocating for something, lawyers disagreeing about what the Electoral Count Act says. I can't pick up the phone if I don't like the election results and complain to the guy who counts the votes at the election, like the Georgia Secretary of State Raffensperger. Is he so delicate? Oh, I feel threatened. 
Well, then, <laughs> uh, I don't know, <laughs> toughen up. Nobody threatened you. We all heard the phone call. So I know you're on the other side here, Adam, and I appreciate it. You're a nice guy. And you know what? Uh, yeah, you're right about Chesbro. It was one felony count. I mentioned it after. But you got to also remember this. It does go away. In three years, it'll be like he was never, ever even charged, never arrested, nothing. It's all sealed and goes away. It tells you that they don't have much of a case, but this guy, they want to get on with their lives, and um, this is the way to do it. I get it. Why take a chance? They're throwing people in jail for 20 years. That's what they did to Enrique Tario. All right, so what up? Sir, they have to testify against anybody that goes to trial. Do you know that's part of the deal, too? Yeah, I do. But it's like, what are they? Here's the deal. Here's why it's happening. It's optics. They're exciting, quite frankly, people like you. Ooh, this looks bad. Ooh, they're going to be able to turn on Trump. Ooh, wow, it looks bad. That doesn't look bad. And this is what the fake news, they'll write about this, they'll jump up and down about this, they'll ignore anti-Semitism all over the place, they'll pretend Islamophobia is a real thing, and they'll pretend that Jenna L. is pleading guilty to some bogus charge is a real thing, and the same for Chesborough, right? This spells doom and gloom for President Trump. Let me ask you, Adam, when has the fake news ever been right about Trump? Sir? When, we need a speedy trial. When, let me, I, just, speedy I, trial. I, want, I want your. I want you to answer me to the best of your ability. When was the fake news ever right about Trump? I stumped right you, now. didn't I? I stumped you. They are always wrong. He always wrong. He couldn't win. He colluded with Russia. He uh, the fake phone call. He could never build a wall. He could never do, he could never beat ISIS. Just go on and on and on. Just tell me one time where they were right and he was wrong. Put him for a speedy trial, Trump. That's what we want. No, 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 no. You're you're not answering the question. You're not answering the question. Hey, what do you mean? That's what you want. Guess what, Adam? He's the defendant. You have no say in this. The prosecutor actually does not have a say in that. It's actually, in, according to the Constitution, up to the defendant. The defendant has a right to a speedy trial, but can waive that. But they're trying to force this trial. They want it, they want it fast because they want to affect the next election. And I see with you, Adam, it's working. Listen, still like you. Good luck on the bus. And come up with a couple of uh, things where the fake news is actually right about Trump for next time. All right? Thank you, Adam. Take care. Um, is that his real name, by the way? Hmm. All right, let's try Norman in Brooklyn. Hi, Greg. Hello. Greg? Greg, yes. uh, about John Kerry. When he says that he flies commercial, it's we're not talking United or American plane where he has like 100 people. He has like, uh, he mentioned like Miller Airlines or something like that. I mean, he flies with like, three other people no 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 wait uh, first of all he's a total fake and a phony and a fraud and he thought he was being cute by saying the private jet is in my wife's name and then the wife sold it right there's net jets and things like that mill air is what he called it i don't hear it referred to like that but mill air is military aircraft and i've flown uh, mill air and I, I, i've never heard it call that i usually call it space a or uh, uh i forgot what mac mac a mac flight we got military planes going all over the world all the time, you know, bringing cargo, bringing troops, bringing whatever, or just bringing the plane. And there are there's space available on these planes. And you can actually go to a base if you're on active duty or retired or, uh, 
you're working the government and you can sign up for these flights and you can fly to say uh Australia. You could fly I actually went to Australia that way. I went all the way to Australia on a military jet. Cost me fifteen bucks. And for these guys, it's it's coordinated a little bit differently. They'll actually have a flight for the congressional delegation for John Kerry and whatever phony job he has for those people. They'll actually fly it on a military jet to go somewhere. Congress does it. Uh, executive staff do it. Um, and the troops do it. But it's different. I, I got to just catch a flight if it's available. And uh, it's fun, by the way. It's fun. You're sitting on these really cool, big military jets. It gets boring after a while. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's that, Norman. So the flights don't have so so but so like they you're saying that they have like an average amount of people like on a normal commercial airline when he goes on this mill mill air. It doesn't necessarily. I mean, um, probably not. But it's a it's a military jet. I don't fault people in Congress for taking military aircraft on government business. Military great big transports. I don't. Uh, I have. There is a picture of John Kerry on a uh, civilian plane with lots of people on it. And guess what? He's not doing wearing a mask. And it was right during everybody was supposed to wear a mask. Hey, thank you, Barbara. Hello. Yes. Hi. Good afternoon. I'm, I'm so glad to hear you talking about back the blue day because for several years now I have a friend in Long Beach who gets together with a couple of her neighbors and they will send pizza over to the precinct and then they will go over and just show their face and say we sent it on behalf of the neighborhood we have done it out on Long Island in Suffolk County in three different communities there we went and with a few other people and we delivered donuts we delivered St. Michael the Archangel medals to the precinct and we stood and prayed with a sign in front of the precinct that said, God bless and protect our police. Every community we do that, every precinct, the policemen are so grateful and so appreciative to know that people care enough to actually get off their couch, go out and do something, even if it's a little something, to show our appreciation and support. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? It's beautiful. And uh, who'd have thunk it, right? You become a cop. And people yell and scream and, um, uh, you know, just throw things at you. And it's just terrible. You know, the heroes. It's always been tough to be a cop. It's even tougher now. Um, well, Barbara, appreciate it. Tell us all again a little bit about your organization. It's a great organization if you support religious freedom. That was a big priority for Trump. Tell us a little bit about it. It's Americans for Freedom of Religion. And we educate about First Amendment. And we educate about children's rights, for example, to live their faith in public school every day. God was never taken out of public schools. Teachers cannot read prayers, but students can pray throughout the day. We teach we teach uh, our fellow. What's Americans the website? About, What's that website? It's a f f o r dot org. I love it. A f f o r dot org. Thanks, everybody. Christine, Joe, Sal, Rachel, and the rest. Sorry, we'll get to you later. Thank you.